Hello, movie people. This is Real Talks, the podcast where me and my co-host David talk about upcoming movies like the latest in breaking Hollywood news and find special guests, hopefully in the near future. Basically, we love movies and we hope you do too. And if you love movies, then you should probably follow us because that's pretty much all we talk about, which is all I ever talk about anyways. So I'm glad I'm finally on a podcast. So... If you like us and you listen to us, then I would definitely also try to support us on Patreon. You can find us just by typing the name into the search bar, Real Talk, R-E-E-L-T-A-L-K. And again, literally, if you do nothing else, please follow us. Like, that's all we're asking. We're really not asking for much. And so I just would love to introduce my co-host, David, here, who is kind of the brains behind this whole operation. Hello, all. Yeah, what's going on? What'd you do this in the last day I saw you? <laughs> last. So yesterday, I actually went and I saw Lightyear. Okay, so you saw it before like anyone else saw it, basically. In IMAX, too. Okay, was it a packed theater? Like, was this sold out? 25 people, maybe. That's not very many. <laughs> no, it was... So for all those people that I know she, you know, was just talking about that. So I am on Twitter. And if you know who I am, you can search David Steele on Twitter at Wannabe Rounder. But I did put out a couple of posts the other night. One of them was my reaction, my out of the theater reaction. And basically, without giving anything away, I said I loved it. It was the greatest. It was one of the best Pixar movies I had seen in years. Okay. That's promising. Yes. And... It was just, it was a little emotional. Well, yeah. They all are, honestly. Like, you could cry in every Pixar movie. So it was one of those things where it was just a really well-put-together, fun movie. And I recommend, all I'll say is this, I recommend it. And I really hope it does well this weekend. So, But, yeah. And it's going to be fascinating, too, with all of these new movies that are coming. We've got Jurassic World that... Looks like it's gonna bomb. <laughs> but so we got Lightyear, and then we've got, you know, we got Elvis coming out next week. And we're gonna have like four or five. This is gonna be the first time in almost four years that you're gonna have all of these movies. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of finally all coming together. Like all of these, I bet these have been under wraps for so long. Also, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, Hopefully there's an audience right now. Um, this is my first time starting out the podcast, and I totally forgot to introduce myself. I am Elisa, and uh, and my co-host is David. So everybody give me grace. This is my first time. She will get better. There's nothing to be nervous about. You're doing No, I great. know. I'm, I'm honestly, I don't really get nervous. I was just, you know, like, that's what people say I hear when they, when they mess up. <laughs> Anyways, so we're doing uh, the weekly roundup for articles in the news about movie stuff. And David and myself have collected some articles that neither of us know each other has. So there's a chance we might have the same ones, but hopefully we don't. Do you want to start us out, David? Sure. We'll do like you do one and I'll do one and you do one and I'll Absolutely. do one. Absolutely. So one of the biggest movies the last, I would say, six to eight months was Spider-Man No Way Home. And they just broke record after record after record. Third highest opening domestically. Just crossed $500 million domestically in the fastest time. Anyways, I bring that up because it's coming back to theaters. 
for Labor Day. Oh my gosh! And so Sony is has already announced it's coming back to theaters for Labor Day weekend, and it's going to have, you know, it's one of those things where it's never before seen footage, and so this is all part of its 60th anniversary of Spider Man. That's hard to believe, huh? Because like Batman's been around for like 75, 80 years. But, yeah, so they broke the news on this last Friday with Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire having a little playful who's the real Spider-Man. And then, you know, Tom Holland says we should do this again, and Tobey says you got it. So, it, um, as I said, it dominated the box office, $800 million in the U.S., close to $2 billion worldwide. And it's going to be coming back into theaters on the 2nd of September. And it's the tickets go on sale at the beginning of uh, August. That's kind of wild, though, that, like, they putting it back in... Th- I mean, like, that just means it'll make more money, obviously. So there's no reason why they wouldn't. But also, I almost feel like... Okay, so do you know what the difference was between the box office for No Way Home and the other highest-grossing Marvel movie? Which is... I actually don't know which one it is. Avengers Endgame. I figured it was Endgame. Yeah, it was Endgame. No, so it's right around, I don't have the number in front of me, but it's very close to, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. As a matter of fact, you know, this just tells you what kind of people are in Hollywood. So Avengers Endgame, when it originally opened domestically a couple of years ago, made an obscene, we can't even believe I'm going to say this, $351 million opening weekend. Holy cow. So. I'm not surprised either. Yeah. So anyways, it made almost $2.4, $2.5 billion worldwide. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know what the highest grossing movie up until that point worldwide was? Give me a second. Um, Highest grossing up until that point. Shoot, I don't know. It was Avatar. Ah, that makes so sense. So what, what ended up happening was James Cameron said, oh, really? So he put Avatar back in theaters. And so, yes, he put it, he put it back in theaters for, I don't know, a limited engagement, a month or two. And it actually made just enough money. There was actually a, something like a YouTube thing running all the time, and I bet you it's still going, that the amount of money difference between Endgame and Avatar. And subsequently, what ended up happening was Avatar took over the number one spot. And so, yeah, that, that is the number one highest grossing film in the world. And it's going to be really fascinating to see. And this that came out in 08. It's going to be really fascinating. If this is any indication of, I don't know, have you seen the trailer for The Way of Water? Is that the next Avatar movie? Yes. I am so excited. I don't know if I've watched like the trailer, but you know that like he's cranked out like five of them now, right? Like he's just been like going to work and doing nothing but Avatar. I mean, there's like Avatar World now. Well, here's the thing. So he has three more lined up. So my guess is so. Okay, so to answer your question, Avengers Endgame worldwide made two point seven nine billion dollars. Okay. Okay. Avatar made. A little bit more than it's two point eight billion dollars. So what what I'm getting at is that he put it back in theaters to actually to pass Endgame because he wanted 
just to be the number one movie in the world. I love that. And it's just hilarious. But here's what I'm getting at. If this is any indication, if The Way of Water, this new movie coming out in the middle of December, is any indication, by the way, and before I get, it's the perfect release date. All the kids are out of school. Everybody has seen this. It's being re-released in theaters in September for everybody to come out and see. If this is any indication of what this movie is going to be, this is going to, I don't want to go out on a limb, but this might have a shot of being Endgame opening weekend. I agree. I totally agree with that. I, I, that's crazy. I know. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like Avatar, we've been waiting forever. Honestly, I mean, 04, is that what you said? Yeah, 08. Okay, so literally, like, there are children who are adults now, and, like, there is going to be an entire new generation that will want to see Avatar. Do you remember how I remember hearing news after Avatar came out that there were, like, they had to start support groups? For people who were like, my life is so boring. Like, there are people who had existential crises. You're kidding me. No, did you not hear about this? No, like, literally this movie was so, like, such a huge deal. And was such, like, an an absolute epic adventure. More so than, like, so many other movies. that Like, literally people were like, I can't just go back to my humdrum life anymore. Like, I feel like I'm not living. It's like, it was crazy. I don't know. I I guess I've never seen Avatar. What? Okay, well, you have to do that. That's your homework before next week. I'm going to have to. I mean, I, I honestly, at the time, I had zero interest in it. It was so good. I mean, I, w- I was very skeptical. I was like, eh, how, like with the blue people, like how good could it be? And then it blew my mind. It really did. But you have to see it in theaters. I feel like it's not good unless it's a big screen. So yeah, I, I'm going to, it's going to get re-released. In okay. So that'll be perfect. You definitely should see it in theaters, like the biggest screen you possibly can. And it's going to like, you're just going to be like, oh, I get it now. Because believe me, I didn't believe the hype until I saw it. And then I was like, oh, and I think I saw it twice in theaters. And I wouldn't be shocked. Don't quote me. I wouldn't be shocked if James Cameron actually moved it to the weekend of Labor Day. I'm going to quote you on that. Just kidding. Just because I think, and I'm not saying he's narcissistic or egotistical or anything else, but if you want the number one of something... If you're going to take away their thunder, mm-hmm. what better way to do that? Because you know he probably doesn't want this. There's only been a few movies ever to make $2 billion. Think about that for a minute. $2 billion worldwide. Right. No, I mean, like, and it sounds like there's a little bit of a pettiness happening between. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, no. I think that you're right. I think that'd be a good move. I wouldn't be shocked if he if he puts it in Labor Day weekend. That'd be great. Anyways. Yeah. What do you have? All right. So Taika Waititi is directing the next Star Wars film. And you know that I love Taika Waititi. And it sounds like he's not referring or even using or maybe even mentioning any previous Star Wars characters. This is going to be a completely original news story. And I'm very interested and also confused as to why. And also, 
I kind of just, I'll watch pretty much anything he makes, but like, I, I don't know. I think that's fascinating. He sort of is like, I want to expand the world. I'm, I'm tired. Like, I bet he's just tired of everybody, you know, like we're getting hit over the head with all these origin stories and all these, I mean, I loved the solo movie. I thought that that was one, I thought solo was better than like the new trilogy that came out. I thought that, what was the one, why can't I, Rogue One was the best one. Rogue One, like you said, was called like, it was kind of the Star Wars we deserved. Yeah, three and a half. We got <laughs> um, three and a half, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, so basically new Star Wars coming out, Taika Waititi, and completely new situation. So. Yeah, I like it. By the way, he is in, so first of all, he's the hottest one of the, hottest guys in Hollywood for the last three, four, five years. I mean, ever since the release of Jojo Rabbit, he has just gone on and done great things. Well, I've been a fan of him since, did you ever watch that pretend documentary, The Vampire One, What We Do in the Shadows? No. Okay, you have to watch it. Like, he stars in it. He's actually in Lightyear. I don't, yeah, which... He's actually doing Lightyear, too. I know. I had no idea, so... I didn't know that till today, actually. So that actually gives, I don't know, I have a little bit more faith that it might be good. But anyways, I haven't been really keeping up on the Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi's show. I didn't like the first two and I haven't caught up, but I think I will. Is it worth catching up on? Because I, I didn't like the first two episodes at all. Okay. So I, I watched episode five the other day. First of all, six episodes is not much. So it's kind of deceiving. Because if you look at the runtime, like the, the runtime for the very first, as a matter of fact, you know what? I have the notes that I did for, I believe I still have them, for, because I actually took notes on every single, no, I don't. Okay, well, I could just tell you right off the top. The first thing that really got me was the running time is for the first episode is a little deceiving. Because it says it's 51 minutes. Now, okay, fine. You figure five, six minutes for credits. Okay. The first five minutes, four or five minutes of the whole episode is them rehashing all of the the three or four movies. Yeah. Which, like, understandable because... It was four minutes. Well, here's my feeling. If you're a fan of the show, right, you know what's going on. You're not going into this blind. I don't need a complete rehash of every single thing that's gone on. So that was four minutes. Then you take away the the five or six minutes for the credits. Now you're only talking about a, a 35 or 40 minute episode, which is fantastic. But it really, do, and it was supposed to be an introductory episode. Okay, fine. We get the characters. I love the girl that plays Leia. I do too. She does a good job. She yeah, no, at 10 years old, she's amazing. So as the series progresses, it gets better, a little bit better. Yeah. So you haven't seen episode three? No, I just, and I, I think I will. I think I'll watch it. It's just that, like, it gives me such, like, cheesy prequel vibes is what I say, I think. That's like, and I'm like, I get, like, the ick from it. Yeah. So episode three, there were some real, I mean, I'm not going to, spoil it for you but there are some really cool things and there are some really really cool shots and so when you see it you'll go oh that's what he was talking about but 
then we go and so one of these episodes is basically a whole bonding episode and okay fine and then you know something happens to her no i don't tell us no no, no I'm, I'm not i'm not spoiling anything no i know i know and it's just you know now yesterday like we get this almost anticlimactic. we all know what they're building up to we all know what it is and it's like lackluster very very lackluster that sucks wait is that the last episode ever no, they've got one more coming out on when next Wednesday. But it's kind of a foregone conclusion of what's going to happen. And it's like, I don't really, how is this fitting in? And I don't really need to see this. Yeah. If there were elements that were good, I'll say this much. There were elements that were good. There were other elements that just, they were just, I won't say bad, but they were corny. I think that the best miniseries to come out of Star Wars so far has to be The Mandalorian, full stop. Yeah, I mean... But but anyways, we should get back to some movie news, and let's have you do your next one. But actually, before we jump ahead, so Taika Wartini actually did episodes of The Mandalorian. So as I said, this guy has been the hottest thing since Sliced Bread the last three years. He did... He's done episodes of The Mandalorian. He did a great job with Jojo Rabbit. He's now doing VO work in, in Lightyear. So when you say that he's, it's going to be completely original, I'm happy for that. I don't want to see any references to the Skywalker saga. I don't want to see Hans, a blaster from Han Solo sitting on the thing. I don't want to see a shot, a picture in it, a thing of the fog. I don't want that, even though that's what we've consumed for 45 years. Mm -hmm. Because... Everybody wants something original. There are things outside. If this is supposed to be a galaxy and huge and lots and lots of planets, then why is it only four or five planets? <laughs> right. We it, they keep on referencing the galaxy, and yet we're never going there. I agree. I'm really. That's going to be. And by the way, speaking of Star Wars, whatever happened. To the Patty Jenkins, last year at D23, I, you know, Patty Jenkins comes out and she's going to do this great movie called Rogue Squadron. What the hell happened to that? Well, I think I vaguely remember that and I have no and idea. And she comes skating out on a, she was roller skating on a uh, tarmac and she stops right in front of an, a life-size X-Wing fighter. And it was all going to be all about the Rogue Squadron of the Rebels. What happened to that movie? And now she's going to go do Wonder Woman 3? I mean, come on. No, it just, that's the kind of thing, though. So this Wartigi project has to be over-the-top good as far as Oh, I'm for concerned. sure. I mean, he's kind of, like, people are waiting for him to fail at this point, like, because he's hitting it out of the park, so. You're right, because at this point, you look at what the trilogy is, this last trilogy is done. Yeah, forget about box office. We know it's going to make money. Yeah. The Rise of Skywalker was a complete retcon of The Last Jedi. Complete retcon. Complete. And by the way, the Colin Trevorrow, the guy that just bombed with Jurassic World, he just, he was on board to do Rise of Skywalker. And there was, quote, creative differences. So if he's failing there, and then he's failing up to Jurassic World, mm -hmm. and that's failing what are you going to be able to give him for a franchise so he doesn't fail? 
clearly he should just do his own thing because he he keeps on missing everybody else's like but that's the thing he can't he can't do anybody else's thing because he ruins it so i don't know what he's going to be able to do from here right well we'll have to see we'll have to see what his next thing is and hopefully it he doesn't touch anything else that we love yeah i digress but anyways yeah so yeah so that that's an interesting little little tidbit news nugget so the next thing i had was something a little more um interesting so everybody and if you haven't seen it go out and get it it's about 25 years old it's called a little movie called Forrest Gump. Just a little, little tiny movie. Just a little tiny movie. So it was made in 1994. So I would say one of the greatest years for to be a movie fan. Yes. So this, I was going through, and Tom Hanks actually recently gave an interview to the New York Times. And he made a quote. And he's talking about Forrest Gump now. And he's basically saying that Forrest Gump was justified winning Best Picture. And this was his quote. The problem with Forrest Gump is it made a billion dollars. If we had just made a successful movie, Bob, Robert Zemeckis, the same Robert Zemeckis that directed Back to the Future, Bob and I would have been geniuses. But because we made a wildly successful movie, we were diabolical geniuses. Is it a bad problem to have? No. But there's plenty of movies. There are plenty of books on the greatest movies of all time. And Forrest Gump doesn't appear in any because, oh, it's that sap nostalgia fest. Every year there's an article that goes by the, sh the movie that should have won Best Picture. And it's always Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is a masterpiece, without a doubt. Look, I don't know if there's any moment of undeniable heartbreak, humanity in Forrest Gump when Gary Sinise, he's playing Lieutenant Dan, and his Asian wife walk up to the house on the day that Forrest and Jenny get married. So, you know... The fact is that if you had to ask me today, seeing all three of these films, between Shawshank Redemption, Oh my gosh. Pulp Fiction, and Forrest Gump, which one are you choosing? I'm going to take Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it's not going to be Forrest Gump, is the bottom line. And honestly, I might say Shawshank, because I just think it is one of the best movies of all time. And so, I mean, the funny thing is that, I mean, for me, that's his, that's Tarantino's masterclass hands down just because of the way it opened the way everything was it actually revitalized john travolta's career samuel l jackson i mean just the star-studded cast but the thing is that hanks and you got to remember too he just come on up he just came off winning an oscar the year before for philadelphia and had he won in 95 the year after that he would have been the first man to ever win three Best Actor Oscars consecutively. Mm -hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis did it 10 years ago for Lincoln. That was his third. But he would have done it. That would have been a feat in itself. But getting back to the article, I mean, look, it, he's right. He's absolutely spot on right. Nobody thinks of Forrest Gump. But they all think of Pulp Fiction. And they all think of Shawshank as one of the greatest movies of all time. For whatever reason. But Forrest Gump just slides right under the radar. Honestly, though, I get that. I understand why it's not considered like Forrest Gump was, especially in its time, such a, a fun movie. Like it was just sort of and also it was heartbreaking. And also it was, I mean, like Sally Field and everybody. It just like it all was amazing 
It was perfect in my opinion. It did everything right. But, and the acting was in, in just impeccable for sure, but it just wasn't a masterpiece in a year where there was a bunch of masterpieces. Well, isn't that, the, but that's always the case though. I mean, you've always had that one, in most years for best picture, you always have that one in, perfect, we're going to call it perfect film, and then you have all these other ones that are contenders that go, that one could have won, that one could have won, that one could have won. And it's, I think the other thing though is this. If you take a look, it's longevity. It's how it's viewed 25 years later. We're talking about it today. Does it stand the test of time? You look at what Tarantino has done since mm -hmm. and how many films he's made. And I'm not saying, I mean, Robert Zemeckis has made some incredible, incredible movies. I'm just saying that when you have a movie like that, it's, oh, I hate to use the word one-off, but what was the next thing Zemeckis did? I actually don't know. That's my point. That's exactly my point. So you take a look at the next thing. You could almost instantaneously, I mean, I'm sure you have to look it up, but you could, you know, the next thing he did was Kill Bill. So it's like, oh, he did Kill Bill. Well, I mean, Tar Tarantino's a household name. Like, that's just the bottom line. And that's the thing. However, what gets quoted more of the three? And I would say it, it is actually Forrest Gump that gets quoted yeah. the most. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, it's one of those things, too. And you look at what Frank Darabont did. Darabont, that's his master class. But if you go, I mean, look, he's done The Walking Dead on AMC for years. Right. And that's a huge show huge following so i mean when you look at what those two guys have done and what zemeckis has done i think that is where people go oh okay that's why it's on but i do agree with tom with the simple fact of this it was one of those movies that was a masterpiece while pulp fiction is a masterpiece that's right up there and did it deserve best picture yeah of course it did I, w I argue to say Shawshank deserved it over Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a toss-up, really. It really, really is. Because people, I would be interested. You get 25, 30 people in the street. They've seen all three movies. You say, out of these three movies, which one is your, your most favorite? So I think you'd have 10 of each person saying each movie. I don't. I don't think so. I don't agree with you. I don't think that that Forrest Gump would would get as many as Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption. Genuinely, but yeah. But I will say one thing though, that was a well deserved Best Actor Oscar. Oh, for sure. I mean, he, he won that hands down, hands down. So again, I'm kind of thinking about Andy Dufresne from Shawshank. Yeah, but think about the acting. No, I know. That's exactly what I'm thinking about. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So. But anyways, okay. What do you got? I have, let's see. Oh, so there's going to be yet another Lord of the Rings movie. And it's going to be like a hundred years before the first trilogy, like the first Lord of the Rings. And it's going to be kind of about like the founding of Helm's Deep. And it's going to be called Lord of the Rings, The War of Rohirrim. And it sounds like Eowyn's coming back. Not Arwen, but Eowyn, for those of you out there that know the difference, which you should if you're a movie person. It's being directed not by Peter Jackson, which I was kind of relieved to find out because it's sort of one of those things where maybe he needs to let it go. Um, because he just kind of, been, you know, that was his child was his children were Lord of the Rings films. 
It, but it's being filmed. The director is Kenji Kamiyama, who is noted only for anime, really. So this is really weird and really interesting, but I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by all of this. And I also don't know. I think it's, is it animated? I am unsure. <laughs> like, I literally am a little confused by all of it. I haven't heard any of this. So this is brand new to me. Okay, so a qu- couple questions I have. When was, when is it supposed to take place? So you have The Hobbit. Yes. Okay, The Hobbit takes ca- place before Lord of the Rings. Right. So now, if this is, so where in the timeline is this supposed to be? Is this supposed to be before The Hobbit? No, this is a hundred years before the Fellowship of the Ring. When, and it's supposed to be about like Helm Hammerhead is the guy that made Helms in his, either his voice or him as a person. Cause I'm unsure if it's supposed, I think it might be literally an animated situation. And it, w- and so it's going to be Brian Cox though, who's going to play. Oh, guy from succession. And also it would make more sense that, well, actually maybe not now that I'm thinking about it. Like why is Eowyn in this? If this is the beginning of Helms Deep? I have no idea. But here's my question. Do you you know that they have a Lord of the Rings? Amazon does have Lord of the Rings, a Lord of the Rings series coming out next year. I do know that. Yes. And that's going to be from the Samarillion, correct? Right. Yeah. So season one is already shot and they did that in New Zealand. They're moving season two to, I believe, Scotland. They've already shot or going to shoot season two. So that's going to be this franchise, this Well, I mean, Amazon has paid close to a half a billion dollars for the rights of this. This one franchise, this this series, is going to cost about a billion dollars. I mean, that that just shows you a pull and what they can throw around. So everybody's expecting a movie or a series. Yeah. Just like just like the movies, epic, like a Game of Thrones. It's kind of a win or lose situation. Like there's not going to be any in between because I mean, Lord of the Rings fans are ruthless. And also the book Lord of the Rings fans are even more ruthless. And Samarillion is like widely considered one of the best. And like if they ruin it, it's going to be like a big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just getting back to what you were saying about Peter Jackson. I think that everybody, what he did with Lord of the Rings was revolutionary. I mean, by the way, Return of the King is the only movie ever to sweep the Oscars. Yeah. For 13, for for the first two movies, it got nominated for 10 plus Oscars and it didn't win any. And everybody's like, what the hell is going on? Return of the King is the only movie to go 13 for 13 and win every single award. Yeah. No, it was, it was like, and imagine also like, we all go to Fellowship of the Ring and we're like, oh my God. And then we go to Two Towers and we're like, oh my God. And then like he hits it all the way out of the park. Now, don't get me wrong. I literally watched the two extended versions back to back and then went to the midnight showing of Return of the King. And I like the ending was a bit long in the tooth for sure. But like, it's still like, I still can't really find fault in it. Also, I have just realized it is going to be an animated movie, by the way, which makes sense because it, and I think it, it might even be an, like anime tilting. And I'm actually a fan of anime. So I think that might be really cool. And they have big names voicing. 
you know, like Brian Cox. And so that comes out, it's expected around April in 2024. Yeah, I mean, that that's going to... And it's, I mean, since the story is already set, once you get your stars in place and it's going to be all about this, I mean, I say it all the time and you agree with me. And as a matter of fact, I just had did an interview, which is going to be coming up in the next few days with a screenwriter. And we talk about story and how important it is and characters and all that. I'm sure this is going to be a great series. Do they say how long it's going to be? By any oh, chance? it's not a series. It's a movie. Oh, it's a movie. Yeah, it'll be a standalone. Yeah. So how, okay. So question then. Yeah. Since we, since, I mean, I've seen all the Lord of the Rings. It's been years though. But that being said, since all the Lord of the Ring movies were three hours, all the Hobbit movies were three hours, how long do you expect this to be? Well, seeing as they're not by Peter Jackson, who notoriously needs everything to be three to five hours long if he has his way, I think that this will have a pretty typical runtime, especially since it's animated. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting concept. It really, really is. Yeah, I'm kind of because, excited. Yeah, no, that that's gonna be a fascinating a fascinating thing to see. And I think I think what will end up happening is people forget about this. And because if this isn't coming out till 2024, people go, oh, okay. And then it's going to pop out of nowhere and people are well, going to Well, like, I think, well, no, that's the thing. I think when once the first trailer is shown or the first, you know, the first tidbits, the first production shots, what, and then they get a trailer and they go, oh, my God. And that's when it's going to get hyped up. So, and especially, I know it sounds crazy, but it's going to be depending on, when did you say it was going to get released? Or do they have a date in place? They think April 2024. Okay, it's going to be fascinating to see because that's the beginning of blockbuster season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see what is on the docket for that week. Because right. if, if this is any chance of doing well, and this budget is, let's say, I'm just throwing a number out there, $200 million, and you're going up against some Marvel movie, you're not going to make your money back all the way. Oh, I think I think you will. For instance, oh, okay. you, you you might make it back. Well, you probably will make it back, but it's going to it's going to have to perform well overseas. Well, this guy is not an American director. This guy is in fact, it's going to make a ton overseas because I'll bet you anything, he's infamous for his anime and if he's going to do it in his own his his own like way that he does it, and not to mention, anime fans are nuts. Like they will go out of nowhere. I mean, remember Spirited Away? That was a huge Oscar thing. Like that was amazing. And so I don't know. I think that it'll and also Lord of the Rings fans also. So I feel like it'll it'll be I think a worthy adversary to the beginning of blockbuster season. But yeah, absolutely. Well, that'll be for a few years. Yeah. So. So tune in in a few years, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> no, definitely, that will be that'll be out. I'll be out. So this actually is not surprising, but I guess it is surprising. So as we all know, Top Gun, Maverick. And by the way, if you want to go back and listen to my Top Gun Maverick spoiler cast, I drop every little tidbit about the movie and what I thought. I loved it. I was so glad to see it. The only downside I didn't see it in IMAX. I want to go back and see it again. But this just shows you the power of this movie. So this was from Forbes. And so 
in 19 days. Guess, take a guess at how much Top Gun Maverick has made. Just take a guess. Um, you know I'm not good at this. Just take a guess. 200 million. <laughs> okay. Well, double that. It's $409.5 million in just 19 days at the box office. So this puts this in 33rd place as it stands right now. And this is for inflation, too. This isn't just, you know. So this is 33rd place, Iron Man 3, which, by the way, if you want to listen to Flashback Fridays, I'm going to be putting up Thor the Dark World tomorrow morning. So that will be the next episode, and then we're going to be doing Captain America Winter Soldier and Guardians, and week after week after week, we're going to be doing Marvel movies, Ann and I. So it's Iron Man 3, Wonder Woman with $412.5 million in 2017. Tomorrow, now this was written yesterday, so and I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but it will probably crack the top 30 tomorrow or today when it passes Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom with $417 million. It's already passed Doctor Strange, with almost 400 and it's actually believe it or not the biggest non-grossing fantastical action movie want to put titanic in there (laughs) unadjusted domestic gross it already made more than skyfall i think the best bond of all time interesting interesting honestly i might agree with you i think it is actually the best one american sniper which i never ended up seeing (laughs) Really? But, but it did amazing. It, I think I think Bradley Cooper deserved the Oscar. Okay. I really honestly do. Because, you know, he's probably the most unluckiest, one of the most unluckiest guys in Hollywood. No, no. Leonardo DiCaprio is the most no, unluckiest. No, 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 no. Hear, hear me out. And well, well, he's got one more golden statue than Bradley does. And here's well, the Well, yeah, but he's a better actor than Bradley Cooper. Bottom but, line. But here's, a, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You take a look at the roles that he was nominated for. Yeah. Okay. He was nominated for American Hustle. Mm-hmm. He didn't win. Well, first of all, he was nominated for, first of all, back in 2012, he was nominated for Silver Lines in the Playbook. He didn't win. Mm-hmm. He works on American Hustle. He was nominated. He didn't win. He works on an American Sniper. He gets nominated. He didn't win. He gets nominated for A Star is Born. He was nominated. He didn't win. Okay. So he is second unluckiest because I, I agree he I feel like his career only gets better for sure I do think that but Leo has been hitting it out of the park since he was a kid and I will I will give you that but at the same point you look at who he's worked with the number one person he's worked with is Martin Scorsese well sure of course you're gonna of course you're gonna knock it out of the park no 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 I don't believe that the reason no Martin, no Martin Scorsese he picks Leo because he knows Leo's going to hit it out of the park and he only writes good roles like that's just- you're telling me Shutter Island was good I loved Shutter Island are you kidding me you didn't like Shutter Island the Aviator the Aviator was good he should have I won't say won for that but he should have definitely and he was nominated for that okay there were roles The Departed The Departed. That should have won Best Picture, and it did. And that was hard to believe. That was his first. Oh, I think Leo totally deserved the nom. I forget who won that year for that. But. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, I think that, and this just shows, but you also have to understand something. Leonardo DiCaprio 
at that point, when he won for the Reverend, he was already a star. Revenant, yeah. He was already a star. I didn't, I didn't feel like that was his strongest role. Like he, Hands down. Hands down. Okay. If you want to take a look at somebody's career that was underrated, was Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Have you seen Steve Jobs? No, because it didn't I will get- send you my review of Steve Jobs. No, I'm going to watch it first. and then Okay, I'll- good. Because here's the thing. He should have won for... Danny Boyle did an outstanding job. When you know the backstory and how they actually shot it and everything else, it was an amazing movie. Interesting. All that being said, you take a look at what happened after his career, after that role. He did movies like Dark Phoenix. He did movies. That was horrible. It was a horrible X-Men movie. It was a horrible X-Men movie. We won't talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. You look at The Snowman. I walked out of that movie. Okay, the book was really good, and I didn't see it because yeah, I heard it. Yeah, it was terrible. You take a look at Assassin's Creed. Fucking terrible movie. Okay? The point is, that Oscar win, if Michael Fassbender had won that night, his whole career would have been changed. I agree. His whole career would have been changed because DiCaprio would have gotten his Oscar. He would have gotten his Oscar. Not that night, but he would have gotten his Oscar. He would have, but... Okay, so we got way off topic, but I love a good... I love a good, I love a good rant. I wanted to make that point. So American Sniper, Fast, Furious 7 with 353, and The Dark... Yes, The Dark Knight. And Black Panther. So, I mean, the point is that this movie in nearly three weeks is made almost $410 million and it's just going up. Can you imagine for a minute, can you just imagine for a minute if the theatrical window, and by the way, for all those people that are not familiar with theatrical window, a theatrical window is if she has a movie that I want to buy, before the pandemic, it used to be that I would buy her movie and it would stay in my movie theater for 90 days. Well, what happened with the pandemic is there were a couple of movies that went straight to VOD or video on demand, Trolls 2 being one of them. And they said, oh, we're going to cut it in half. So what theaters now get is I still buy her movie, but guess what? It's only a movie theater six weeks. And that's why if you go back and listen to, I believe, last week's roundup, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is coming to Disney Plus this week. Mm, mm -hmm. This week. And it came out the beginning of May. Okay, so I digress. The point is, can you just imagine for a minute if this had a 90-day theatrical window? If you extrapolate this, and this is three weeks, this could have made seven or eight or even $850 million in 90 days. And that's not even internationally. This could have been almost a billion and a half movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, Maverick has and done And that's so underrated. I mean, wait, you think Maverick's underrated? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is it's underrated as far as the money it could have made. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the projections could have been huge. Back to what it used to be. So this no, is just you're right, like, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, but I mean, like, the whole movie industry is completely different, but it's still doing incredible numbers for sure. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. But that just shows you it has to be at one hell of a movie in order to produce. I loved it. I don't 
feel like it was a masterpiece, but I get why it's doing numbers. It's absolute like it's the whole lean into the to the nostalgia. It's, you know, Tom Hanks doing all his own stunts. It's 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 everything that we could ever want for a summer blockbuster. Tom Cruise flying a jet. Yeah. At 8 G's. And by the way, anybody who's watched the YouTube behind the scenes, that's all practical. This wasn't CGI kids. It was oh, they were flying those jets. Cruz actually had to teach them cinematography. He actually had to teach them lighting. He had to actually teach them. They had six IMAX cameras developed. This technology wasn't developed back in 1986. So that just tells you. That whole thing is like insane. Like the all the work that went into it. I mean, Tom doesn't half-ass anything, you know? So, and then... No, I was going to say, all you got to do is look at the... Anybody who's seen the the dead... The new Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning trailer is all you got to see is him jumping off a cliff. I mean, he just do, he just I mean, <laughs> I, I, all you have to do honestly is watch the Mission Impossible Two opening scene. Oh yeah, it's where he's he's literally hanging off a cliff by his fingertips. Yeah, and I think that that's a whole. Once we get down the road and Dead Reckoning actually gets closer i think we'll have to do a tom cruise week no no we're, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna watch all six or seven mission impossibles i think all of them but number two are amazing oh well john Wood, i mean it was horrible that was but see you know why you know why he got that i know we're getting off topic but you know why that he got that movie why he got it for a face off oh and yet he kept taking faces off in the second Mission Impossible. No, but so. that, that's my point. He did such a great job in Face Off, okay, with John Travolta and, and Christian Slater. They thought he was a big, hot thing at that time. Mission Impossible had just killed it the year before in 95. And they said, we got to get on this now. And that comes out in 97, I want to say. And so they said, okay, John, you just did a fantastic job with us in 96. We're going to give you the, the keys to the kingdom here. Yeah. And subsequently, when it goes bust and the movie and everybody who rates it always puts MI2 at the bottom because the story was just. Arguably the worst one ever. No, absolutely. So anyways, but yeah, it, it's just one of those things. As Ryan McQuaid, and if you want to go back and listen to my Ryan McQuaid interview, we talk about this was the blockbuster preview and Top Gun was one of the was the movie he wanted to see. I am I am interested in seeing the new Top Gun film. Okay. I know that that I, that one to me because I love that Tom Cruise keeps trying to kill himself for our pleasure. <laughs> and I think that that for all of us is is a, a treat. And that movie has been delayed for such a long time. The original Top Gun is is one of those staple action films of the 80s. And it's going to be premiering at the Cannes Film Festival, and I'm sure some of us might see it before. Or definitely, we'll all see it after that premiere. But it will it will be it's one of those like it's like Dune. It's like a lot of films that were delayed because of the pandemic. You know, we we're going to finally get to experience that, and on a big screen. Like that's the one thing you can say, you know, about Tom Cruise movies. Let alone, you know, you can separate the man here from from the films. His Mission Impossible films. This Top Gun movie, they have a sense of scope yeah. and the ability to want us to go and see it on the on the giant screen, the biggest screen possible with the loudest sound and everything. So I'm very much looking forward to that film. He loved it. Go check him out at Ryan McQuaid 77 
on Twitter. Funny what he said. He said, like, honestly, I think that that's how he wants to die. I think he wants to die doing what he loves. He's only 59. That's the crazy thing. I was telling somebody, I was like, the reason I know that I'm getting older is that the only person in Maverick that I was interested in was Tom Cruise and like none of the other, like Miles Teller, I don't care. It doesn't matter. They're playing football on the beach. I don't care. Like, I'm just like more Tom Cruise without a shirt on. That was me because I grew up with Tom and he's still extremely hot. Okay. So I think, do we have time for like maybe one more tiny one? I think. Yes. So I, I saw, I saw something. So I was, I asked you off camera, but I wanted, so go for it. If you have it. I do. Unless you go for it. Yes. No, absolutely. Go, 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 go. It's, it's, it's your turn. Chris Hemsworth is going to play Hulk Hogan in a biop. And we are going to be doing biop. We're going to be doing bio pictures in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. So, I, well, in, I read an interview that he recently said he was actually bored of Thor before Ragnarok. But quite frankly, I didn't give a shit about Thor until Ragnarok. So part of me sort of like, that's sort of when his character came alive, was that movie. And so I, I'm guessing this next Thor movie is going to be his last, right? And so, Absolutely. yeah. I mean, everything. So, yeah. He's going to come out strong with, I mean, Hulk Hogan's a huge deal. Like, that's a huge generation, you know, 80s, 90s. This is a whole situation. What do you think? I mean, see, there's so many. It's an interesting concept. Because there's so many different ways they can go. Terry Hogan is one of those guys that, you know, he did all the right things. And that's why when WWF back in, you know, the 70s and the the 80s, I mean, you just look at, here's the thing. I can remember, and I, I mean, I was yay big. I mean, you can watch it on YouTube all day long or on one of these streaming services. I remember WrestleMania 3. Nice. I remember WrestleMania 3 when he slammed Andre the Giant. And by the way, Andre was in the best of health. It came out later that Andre had actually wanted this to be a swung song. Okay. So that was, you know, 85, 90,000 screen fans at the Pontiac Silverdome. Okay, fine. That was his big claim to fame. Then you go about, you know, he has all these friendships and, and alliances with like Ultimate Warrior and, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage and all these guys. I don't know if this is going to be a professional picture of him doing the wrestling or is this going to be a personal in his family, how he met his wife, his children and whatever else. I'm really, I mean, who do they get to play Vince? You know, I mean, how that whole thing transpires. That's an interesting, interesting concept because, I mean, look, Anybody who's a wrestling fan will tell you the NWO, and this is probably probably going to get bored with this, but bear with me. The NWO is one of the biggest turns of one of the biggest like coups of all time. And when they went, what WCW did and smashed WWE and whatever for 18 months with all that. I mean, you guys can go watch this stuff. I'm not going to tell you everything, but the point is that he jumped ship, right? He went from one... It was like going from the Boston Red Sox to the New York Yankees type of thing. And at that point, it's a whole different 
thing. I'm dying to see where they go with this. Yeah. Well, and I think Chris would do a good job. Genuinely. I think he's a great actor. I think that he has the, the chutzpah to that. I mean, but just like any other biopic, you have to be so careful because there are people who like have centered their entire lives around this man. Like that Hulk Hogan was everything. And so he, they're going to have to hit it out of the park or it's going to be, everyone's going to hate him. <laughs> like, and is he on board with this? That's something else you got to consider. Something that you got to figure out. Yeah. I, I assume he would need to be. Well, listen, I mean, there's how many, how many times have we, but how many times have we seen books, the unauthorized something of so-and-so, you know, and it's like, I can just imagine that a Hulk Hogan movie would be better with Hulk Hogan behind it. I would hope that that would be the smart yeah. choice. I mean, obviously, I, you, you'd think that, but it's just one of those things where, you know, and, and it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems to me like he always wanted, has always wanted to stay in the limelight for one reason or another, whether it's his infidelity or whether it's his wrestling or whether it's, I mean... The guy's 75, 77 years old. You get used to it being about you. So, yeah. No, I no, I know. It's a narcissistic thing. I get it. I mean, all you got to do is look at somebody like, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, I also think that you get, you, yeah, you just get addicted to it. You decide that you're not enough without it. No, yeah. I mean, Rick, Rick Flair, not to cut you off. Rick Flair is a perfect example of that. So anybody who's watching, I'm not going to get into it. You can go watch it on ESPN or Hulu or whatever it's on. But go watch the 30 for 30 on, on Ric Flair. Ooh, that I love is, 30 for 30s. Okay, so it, his name is Ric Flair. He's arguably the greatest wrestler of all time. And what ended up happening was he was in NWA and I mean this is this is dating like 60s and 70s this is when their territories used to be around and he was so larger than life like it got to him I mean his marriages fell apart he was doing drugs so what ended up happening was he had two children and you know so he actually had a son and his son was actually he he said dad I want to be a wrestler just like you he's like okay go for it and he was 24 years old and he ended up ODing. He overdosed. So what ended up happening was, and you can Google her name now, the wrestler known as Charlotte Flair, okay, is actually his daughter. And she was so broken up about it that she took over his spot and she started to wrestle. And she is the biggest, biggest women's superstar right now in WWE. Oh, that's cool. And instead of having the figure four, it was a figure eight. And it's just huge. So getting back to the Hulk Hogan thing, you can get wrapped up. And you're absolutely right. You can get wrapped up and have it be larger than life and have everything fall apart. So I'm really dying to see the dynamic of where they start this. Right. No, I agree. I think that that I think like it will, will time will tell. I'm excited to see like eventually I should have looked up like predict predicted dates or whatever no no that's okay but there was one last story That'll be his next project which is well, going to be yeah i mean that, that's that's so far down in the road that's you know everybody's thinking about july 8th and what is going to happen they're not even going to worry about that that's probably going to be if they just announced him as hulk hogan 
you're probably looking at like a 25, 2025, 2026 yeah, release. For sure. Minimum with all the post and then you got to get a script and everything else. But before we go, there is one last story that I saw just before we came on air that I was intrigued and that I was asking you about her. So you know of Dakota Fanning. Mm-hmm. She actually played, I couldn't believe I, re- I was right about this, but she actually did play in Twilight. She was a little girl in um, Man on Fire too. And so what it was reported from Deadline today that she's going to actually be reuniting with Denzel Washington for the, the third installment of The Equalizer. Oh, okay. So I didn't realize, because I have not watched The Equalizer, I didn't realize that it was Denzel Washington, and now I am even more intrigued because they Man on Fire is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, it's just so... It's perfect, in my opinion. So this is really cool. I love it when actors reunite in different movies, especially if they had, like, a very special chemistry. Yeah, so I was real. I was trying to wrap my head around this. I said, "What?" Because she's just been announced. They have no details, nothing of the such. It's being kept under wraps, except that I was trying to think to myself, "Well, what could she play?" If she's going to be reuniting with him, my guess is she's going to be playing an agent. I couldn't imagine being so. Anybody who saw Equalizer two, okay, knows that McCall's close friend actually died. Okay, the female friend actually died. So it couldn't be her daughter. And my guess is Bill Pullman is not going to come back. I would be shocked if he did. But I'm going to be curious to see if she's going to be an agent. Is she going to be like a superior? I mean, she's a little young for that, and I get that. But I think it would be fascinating to see. And mind you, this is all going to depend on the story. Because if the story is crap and the actors are good... Everybody knows that the movie's going to be crap. Yep. Same thing. If the story is good and the actors are crap, the movie might be good because it has a good story. And when I put this up, actually, and Brett did a really good job of talking about characters. So when I put that up, really listen to what he's talking about characters and how they're made and everything else. But I think this character, I think this could be interesting. Because she is, she's a good actress. Oh, no, she's... And she has stayed under the radar for years. Not not necessarily. I'm a huge show watcher, and she has been an integral part of The Alienist, which is also one, I it, it's like an underrated... I've heard great things about that show. I've not gotten around to see them. Also, I think she's best known not for Man on Fire, but as the little girl from I Am Sam with Sean Penn. Like, literally, that was like... Her, well, and also Uptown Girls with Brittany Murphy. This kid has been acting since she was a teeny tiny. And now her sister, of course, Elle Fanning, is also really, really great at acting. I love yeah. her in The Great. That's one of the funniest and best shows out, I, in my opinion. So I would love to see them in the same movie, honestly. Maybe someday. But yeah, I mean, it has to, but it has to be the right role. Well, obviously. You can't. Yeah, so I mean, you know, that's just, that goes without saying. That has to be. Yeah, the right but but everything. see, how many times? You know, I say that, but how many times do we have movies that are put out and you go, "What the fuck were you thinking?" Right. No, I get it. And you and I, I mean, seriously, you and I could sit down. I've had, I have had ideas for fantastic movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you have too. 
Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that, but it's like, this could be 10 to, I mean, I, I'm not going to pitch one now, but when we're off air and we're done, I want you to sit down and Google Robert Larson pressure luck. Okay. No further instructions. Okay. Because that I have, I had a whole script. I'm not going to obviously tell you what, you know, I mean, it's too long to go into, but the point is that is a great tragedy story that once you read about him and you watch what happened, you're going to go, wow. And then you're going to be intrigued. Yeah, but this is all very vague. So we got to we gotta okay. bring it back. And also we got to wrap things up for the no, yeah. listeners at home. So, yeah, I, I agree. But That's exciting, though, about Dakota Fanning. I love everything she does. I think she's one of the most talented actresses since she was a kid. So I'm excited. Where can uh, the folks at home find you on social media, David? So, as I said earlier, on Twitter, it's wannabe rounder. It's all one word. I am on LinkedIn, but the other place that you can get me is Instagram at D Caduto. That's C A D U T O. Yeah. So, but coming up, where are they going to get you on social media too? I am on Instagram at Elisa Ivers, E L I S A I V E R S, and on TikTok with the same name. And that's about it for me. Great. So coming up this week, okay, we have Elvis coming out. So first and foremost, we have Lightyear. I I did see it. I'm As soon as I'm done here, either tonight or tomorrow, I will be recording a spoiler cast. And I will get that up for the weekend. So go see the movie. Come back and listen to that here. We got a bonus episode with uh, Brad Rochefort, screenwriter, coming up. And then after that, next week, we have biopics because of Elvis. And uh, yeah, that's, I think that's going to be a fascinating movie. But we're going to talk all about biopics, our favorite bio movies. Then we got the roundup next week. The week after that, of course, we have the big Marvel movie. July 8th is Thor Love and Thunder and probably going to be Chris Helmsworth's last role, even though he got a raise for doing this one. But yeah, and then don't forget tomorrow. We got Flashback Friday, Thor, The Dark World, probably the weakest of the three to date. I'm not including the Avengers because that wasn't like a lead role for him. But definitely, I think the weakest of the three. After that, we've got Captain America Winter Soldier. And then after that, we got, I think, probably everybody, one of everybody's favorite, or at least definitely has the best soundtrack of all time, is Guardians of the Galaxy. So, yeah. And then starting in July, I'm going to be putting together and... She can join me if she likes. I'm going to be putting together Mob Mondays. And I'm going to sit down and we're going to talk all about mob movies. That's The Godfather. That's The Departed. That's Mean Streets. That's Casino. That's Goodfellas. That's all of those movies. And yeah, we got a ton of stuff coming up for the rest of the summer. Don't forget to follow her. Don't forget to follow me on social media. Go check out the Patreon. And yeah. We'll see you on social media, guys. That's about it. Thanks for joining us, and please follow us.